possible for me, or for any of us, to know about the origins of our foods. I was certainly curious about the stories behind my milk, eggs, and tomatoes. But even more, I was drawn to larger questions. How on earth did we get into the modern situation where we know so little about what we eat and yet regard it as entirely normal? How was it that basic ignorance about foods had become truly the norm in our culture? And what difference has it made? That's what this book is about. To find the answers to my questions, I looked to history. By keeping my bead on what America's home cooks have known and not known about their foods, I began to track the gulf in understanding that rapidly grew over time as distance between farms and kitchens widened. 200 years ago, most Americans knew a lot more about what they ate in a direct, first-hand, rooted-in-the-earth way, because most had an actual hand in growing a sizable share of their foods. As America went from being a nation of farmers to being one of workers and consumers, growing numbers of city dwellers had to grapple with procuring and cooking foods in new ways. Over the course of only a few generations, we went from knowing particular places and specific stories behind our food's origins to instead knowing very little in an enormous and anonymous food system. Those who have written about food history have dropped clues about this cognitive shift as they've chronicled how Americans adopted new products, new nutritional understanding, and new culinary practices in the dynamic social context of urbanization and ethnic diversification. And those who have written trenchant critiques of America's modern agriculture have generally regarded the separation of consumers from producers as a lamentable side effect of a much larger industrial transformation of America's economy, landscape, and culture. Yet as I began to wrestle with my own food choices, what intrigued me most was the uncharted terrain in between those other histories and analyses. I wanted to home in on how people's thinking had changed as the experience of eating became wholly separate from that of raising and producing foods. How had our mental habits as shoppers, cooks, and eaters evolved toward the out-of-sight, out-of-mind approach that I'd recognized in myself and in others. In seeking to understand this drift toward indifference, I found an important clue in the work of anthropologist Claude V. Strauss. In the late 1960s, he made the perceptive suggestion that food must be just as good to think in a cultural sense as it is to eat in a nutritional sense. The idea that foods must be appealing in our minds as well as in our mouths becomes particularly illuminating when considered through the lens of history. As foods were changed to meet the demands of America's rapidly urbanizing society, 
often in ways that did not at first appeal to many people. The mental framework we consumers used to understand food was invariably stretched and fudged to accommodate those changes. At the same time, what constituted a home cook's competency was also radically transformed. By investigating these shifting frameworks, the defining and redefining of kitchen literacy that went hand-in-hand hand with industrialization, we can better grasp how and why the more shadowy and unappetizing context of our food's origins was gradually whittled away from the ken of what we know about what we eat. We can also begin to discern some of the far-reaching implications of this subtle but unmistakable drift in our everyday way of thinking. This history begins in a late 18th century kitchen.